If you've got your Bible, I need you to turn to the book of Matthew. Boy, did I throw you a curveball today. Matthew, I want, I want to show you two verses. You're very familiar with Then we're going to get to Genesis, all right? Um, we're going to get to Genesis, but by way of Matthew, I want to talk to you this morning. Uh, this is, begins our Go Global Missions Month. And so with Go Global, we take up an offering. We, have, uh, we ask you to give an offering. We don't take up offerings anymore. You put them in the black box. Uh, you can get on your phone. You can give it through uh, uh, the app and, and uh, handle that through your bank account. But here's the deal. We've set a goal for $125,000 in the month of October as our Go Global missions offering. Now, what that is, that's, uh, uh, that is how we give to three ladies. We pay these ladies off every year. We owe them money every year. Uh, one of them's called Lottie Moon. You ever heard of Lottie Moon? Uh, Lottie Moon is uh, the missions offering is uh, named for her. She was a missionary to China. Uh, and so the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to pay for um, and fund and support missionaries on the foreign field. So the International Mission Board, the missions offering for Lottie Moon goes uh, to support missionaries all around the world, over 4,000 of them. Uh, there's another lady. Her name is Annie Armstrong. Annie Armstrong is the Easter offering uh, lady, and uh, and so it's named. The offering is named after Annie, and uh, that goes to plant churches in North America. And the Hatchels are uh, they they receive funds from Annie Armstrong. It's uh, it, it's to plant churches all across North America. Uh, then Georgia Barnett. Georgia Barnett is a state uh, missions offering. It's named after her. And uh, that's to plant churches and do work right here in Louisiana. And so we take up, uh, uh, we set a goal for 125000 this year. And uh, 50% of what we bring in will go to uh, Lottie Moon, foreign mission work. It'll go to reach the world with the gospel. Places you and I will never get, uh, but yet our offering will get there. But then also, out of the, there's 50% that goes to that. 25% goes to North American Mission Board, to the Annie Armstrong Offering and that goes to plant churches in North America. 10% goes to Louisiana work, uh, Georgia Barnett, and then 15% of what you give will go to a hunger fund uh, that will literally, it, it could be local, it could be North American, be throughout the world, and it's to, uh, to feed hungry people through uh, Baptist Global Response, giving missionaries opportunity to share the gospel and put food uh, with that. And so, uh, so every dollar you give to Go Global leaves First Baptist Hall. And it's not something that we keep. doesn't go into a savings account. doesn't fund missions or ministry here uh, at our church. It leaves here. When you give it, it, it just stops here for a moment and it heads on out. And so because we're starting this today... And every Sunday in October, we're going to be talking about missions. Um, so today, I want to start Go Global with a message entitled, Living the Great Commission. And so if you, you're taking notes, I want you to write on the top of that page, Living the Great Commission. Now, when we hear the Great Commission, we think about this passage in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Listen to what it says. I'm just going to refresh your memory. Listen to what it says. It says, go therefore and make disciples. Jesus is speaking this. Some of the last words he spoke here in the flesh on this earth. He gathered his disciples together and he says, go therefore and make 
disciples of all the nations. I want you to remember that word nations. You're going to see that word come up throughout the message. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when you and I hear that, those two verses, we call it the Great Commission. Most of the time, we think those two verses are really speaking to a handful of people who are called to either ministry or missions. We don't think that it really applies to everybody in the pew. But then also, when we read those words, we think that Jesus is the first one in the Gospels to have said or have given the Great Commission. Now, I would tell you both of those are false. Now, this was given not to a handful of people who would go uh, uh, globally or go into vocational ministry. This verse, this Great Commission is given to all of us. He is commissioning all of us as we go in our life. We're to make disciples of all the nations. I love Palmy getting baptized. Um, Audrey um, brought her to church, and I got to meet her the first Sunday she was here. And uh, just so, such a beautiful young girl, smiling. And, and, and Audrey told me, she said, pray. Pray for her. She's my roommate. Pray uh, that, that I would have the opportunity to share the gospel with her. I get a picture uh, from Dr. Blair Blackburn, the uh, president uh, at ETBU, and it's a picture of some of our girls uh, there at ETBU. And he said, I'm, I, I get to spend some time with some Halton girls today. And it was a selfie of him and uh, three, of, uh, three of our girls that are over there from our church. And uh, I said, oh, man, th- th- you got some good ones in that picture. And I said, hey, pray for Audrey. I wanted to make sure he knew uh, about Palmy. And I said, pray for Audrey and Palmy. Palmy is uh, uh, Audrey's uh, uh, roommate. And, uh, and so I shared that with him. And he said, I've already heard. I've been praying for Palmy and uh, praying that uh, they have the opportunity to, to uh, win her to the Lord. And, uh, and then Audrey came and led one Wednesday night. And she said, um, I said, uh, tell, tell us about Palmy. She led a few songs. She said, Palmy gave her life to Jesus this week. And, uh, and I'm telling you, our Wednesday night crowd, we were so fired up. We were excited. Uh, watch what happened. That her and those students there, they, did the, they were living the Great Commission. Where, wherever you go, uh, as you're going in this world, as you go to the fountain at each of you, as you go to college, as you go to work, as you go to the ballpark, as you go to the grocery store, as you go out into your neighborhood, rather than closing the garage door when you pull in, go out into the neighborhood and meet your neighbors and reach them, realizing that God planted you in that, on that road in that neighborhood uh, right there for the purpose of living the Great Commission to your neighbors. We're, we're, as we go, we're to go and make disciples it's for all of us not just a handful but Jesus isn't the first one to say this and so I want you to turn to the book of Genesis all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and let me refresh your memory of a few things that we've talked about already as we're studying through the book of Genesis you remember Abraham Um, Abraham was the guy that God began a covenant relationship with and we see that relationship in chapter 12 in the first couple of verses in fact look at verse 2 he says to Abraham this is God speaking to Abraham I will make you a great nation there's that word again circle word nation in verse 2 then he says I will 
bless you. Circle that word bless. You're going to see the word nation and bless or blessing come up a bunch in, this, in these passages. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In this last phrase here in verse 3, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Listen to what God just told Abraham. He said, listen, Abe, I'm going to come down and I'm going to have a relationship with you, a covenant relationship with you. And and what's going to happen is in this relationship, I'm going to pour blessings out on your life. But I don't want you to keep them. I want you to be a channel of blessings to the rest of the world. That's the first part of this great commission. God told Abraham, in this relation, I'm going to have a relationship with you. I'm your creator. You're my creation. I'm going to have a relationship with you, and I'm going to pour blessings out on you, and you've got to be a channel of that blessing. You've got to share my blessings with the rest of the world. In fact, in Genesis chapter 22, you see him say that again to Abraham. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. Hang with me. It's going to be like Bible drill just for a minute, all right? Genesis chapter 22, just take a right, look at verse 17. He says this to Abraham. He said, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemy. Here's that phrase again in verse 18. In your seed, that means all of your descendants, all the nations, of the earth shall be blessed. He said, Abraham, I'm doing this so that you can bless the nations. You're a channel of blessing. Now watch this. Abraham, we know Abraham and Sarah's story. They were old, um, couldn't have children. She was barren. Um, the, in their 90s, finally have a son. His name, they name him Isaac. And so we would assume that God's covenant relationship that he established with Abraham, that, that God would honor that with Isaac. And he does. Look at chapter 26. Just take a right, just a couple of pages. Look at verse 3. Genesis chapter 26. We've already read this. I'm just refreshing your memory. Listen to what God tells Isaac. He said, hey, Isaac, dwell in the land, and I'll be with you, and I will what? Two of you are with me. Bless you, for to you and your descendants I give all of these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all of the lands. Look, here we go again. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What did he just tell Isaac? He told Abraham. Now he told Isaac. He said, hey, Isaac, I'm going to have a relationship with you. I'm going to bless you through that relationship. And in our relationship, you're going to be a channel of blessing to bless the nations of the world. Well, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, had trouble having children, and it was about 20-plus years before uh, Rebecca conceived. But when she conceived, she had twins. You remember that story we talked about a couple weeks ago? There were two nations fighting in her, and, uh, and, and one she named Esau, and he looked like Elmo. He was red and hairy. And then the other one was Jacob, and he held on to Esau's heel. They were fighting when they came out of the womb. But prior to their birth, remember what God said about them? The older is going to be subject to the 
younger. He, the, the, the younger is going to be stronger than the older. And, and that's, that's different from culture because the oldest one, the oldest son should get the inheritance, the double portion. The oldest son should carry on the name and, and be the patriarch of the family. But God said, no, it's not going to be Esau. It's going to be, it's going to be Jacob. Jacob's going to be the one. And so in Genesis chapter 28, turn, turn your Bible to 28. Check this out. Look at verse 14. God speaks to Jacob. Listen to what he says. Verse 14, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What did God just do to this family? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he just gave them the great commission. He said, I'm going to establish a relationship with you. And out of that relationship, I'm going to pour blessings out on your life. You're not going to hold them. You're not a reservoir of blessings. You're a channel of blessings. And I need you to bless the nations of the world. Now, watch what these three generations did. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob, Jacob Wednesday night, we talked about Jacob and his kids. It was kind of like watching a Jerry Springer episode in Genesis chapter 30, the first few verses. And, and, and Jacob, you remember, we, we've been studying this. So Jacob had to go to Uncle Laban's house. And, and, and he was running for fear because Esau was going to kill him for stealing his uh, blessing. And so, uh, so he goes to Uncle Laban's house. And Laban is the used camel dealer, right? And so he's a shyster. And so, uh, so Jacob goes there. And Jacob falls in love with Rachel. And, uh, and he makes a deal with Laban. Rachel was Laban's daughter. And he says, hey, listen, uh, Unc, um, give me Rachel to be my wife. And he said, serve me for seven years. And so, uh, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And so now it's day, day for the wedding. And so uh, the wedding is happening, and, and here comes his bride, and the veil is over her face, and, and, and they share their vows, and they go and consummate uh, the marriage. And then after uh, they consummate the marriage, uh, they wake up, and the sunlight is coming in on them in the uh, morning, and guess what? Like a, a, an Alan Jackson song. It wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. And, uh, and Leah, Leah was cross-eyed. Leah was not Rachel. And Jacob comes to uh, Laban. He said, hey, listen, you broke the deal. This is not the, the, I worked seven years. You gave me the, she's 14 years older than Rachel. And, and Laban said, listen, in our culture, I can't give away uh, the younger daughter before the older daughter. And so this is just how this works. And so uh, if you want Rachel, you can serve another seven years. So, so watch what happens. He says, you're going to bless all the nations of the world. So right now, Jacob is the father of the Jewish nation. You realize there's only two people groups in the whole world, right? You have Jews and then us, Gentiles, right? So Jews is this family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Gentiles is the rest of the nations of the world. And so God has just established this covenant with uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bless the Jews so that the Jewish nation, the is nation of Israel, can bless the Gentile nation. Well, I'm going to ask a question. Reckon how well they did with that, right? That's a halting way of saying. Uh, I wonder how they did, right? How did they do blessing, you, taking the great 
commission. Well, well, watch this. They were stingy with it. God said, here's the blessing, and rather than giving the blessing and being a channel of blessing, they held it, and they were a reservoir of blessing. Now, as you keep going through the story, then there became a guy by the name of Moses. Y'all remember Moses? He was the prince of Egypt, and Moses comes in to lead the children of Israel. And in Exodus chapter 20, God says, Moses, here's the Ten Commandments. He's up on Mount Sinai, and, and this is the law that he's given. Now, watch this. This is part of the Great Commission. First of all, you're going to be a channel of blessing. Second part of this great commission, your conduct and behavior is going to communicate to the rest of the world, the nations of this world, that you belong to me. Watch what he says. He said, Moses, tell the people, I'm their God. I brought them out of Egypt, and they're to have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. The second commandment is don't make any images or idols of me. I'm the real God. You can't hold me, see me, or touch me. And so don't make an idol and put me in a closet and light candles around me. You worship me. I'm your creator. And so there's the first two. I'm your God. Have no other gods before me. Don't make an, an image of me and worship me. And the third one, all of us know the third one. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And when we hear that, we think of cursing and swearing, right? But what God was telling Moses and the nation of Israel, they, he said, listen, this has to do not with what you say, but what you do. It's your conduct and behavior, not so much your vocabulary. So this whole, all of the nations of the world know that you belong to me, and they're going to watch how you live your life. Your conduct and your behavior. Does your words match your walk? Does your talk match your walk? If not, you're going to be guilty of taking my name in vain. You see, to, to vain means to make something empty and to be of no use. And so the children of Israel, if they were to go out and live contrary to what God told them to do, then they would communicate to the rest of this world that God is not important anymore. Now, let me ask you this. What name do we have on us? You see, when, when, when God was uh, uh, spreading out throughout uh, the world in the city of Antioch, in the book of Acts, the believers were called in Antioch Christians first. And, and here's the deal. People in Antioch uh, said those people are acting like Jesus. They're acting like uh, they named them Christians. The Christians didn't come up and say call us Christians, the lost world looked at them and said, gave them that title, gave them that name. And so, uh, so what name do we carry now? Christian. When you gave your life to Christ, you became a follower of him and you became a, a Christian. And so watch this, you take his name out into this world. You take his name with you to school. You take his name with you to work. And you can take his name, and if your talk doesn't match your walk, guess what you're guilty of? Taking his name in vain, making it of no use, and making it empty. Watch what God just did. He said, look, the nation of Israel, be a channel of blessing. Let your conduct and your behavior be in such a way that people out there will see the relationship that you and I have. Now watch the next step in this great commission. 
there was a Israel. Israel wanted to be like all the other nations of the world. All the other nations of the world had kings. And they said, well, we want a king. We want a, a physical guy, human guy that we can revere and honor as our king. And God said, you don't want a king. They're, they're going to take all your stuff from you. They're going to build their house bigger than yours. You don't want a king. I'm your king. And Israel kept saying, no, God, you don't know what we want. We want a king. And so God said, fine, you can have a king. Who do you want? They said, we want Saul. He looks like a king. Well, he looked like a king. He didn't act like a king. And then ultimately after Saul came David. Now David acted like a king. Now he had his bad days, but David loved God. David wrote most of the Psalms in your Bible. He was a shepherd and a musician. And, and this was a guy who had a heart for God. In fact, one day he came to Nathan, who was his buddy and a prophet. And he said, Nathan, I want to do God something cool. I want to do something cool for God. Can I build, I want to build God a house. I live in this beautiful palace of cedar. I want to build God a permanent house. He dwells behind the tent curtains of the tabernacle. It's temporary. He doesn't even have a foundation. Nathan, I want to build God a great house. And Nathan goes back to bed that night, and God tells Nathan, he wakes him up, and he said, Nate, you got to go tell David, no, he can't build me a temple. He said, but you tell him this, he's not going to build me a house, I'm going to build him one. And he he didn't use the same word for house, he said, he's not going to build me a house, I'm going to build him a a legacy. He said, he's not going to build my temple, his son's going to build my temple. And so David starts stockpiling materials because Solomon, his son's going to build the temple. And we've talked about this already because that Mount Moriah where Abraham had brought Isaac, he had sheared off the point of that and he had flattened it out to build the temple and he'd take the materials that his daddy had stockpiled and he built a temple. But watch what he did. He built an outside courtyard of that temple and he called it the, the, the court of the Gentiles. Now that's the other nation. That's the other people group. The temple wasn't for the Gentiles. The temple was for the nation of Israel, the Jews, to bring their sacrifices. But the the court of the Gentiles was a place that the Gentiles could come and they could get close enough to see the relationship that God had with his people. They could come and see the sacrifices that the Israelites were bringing. They They could smell the smells of worship. They could, they could see the blood that was used to cover the sins of the people of Israel for a year. And all of the families on the day of Passover would bring lamb after lamb after lamb to the temple to, to, to remove the blood out of that lamb to cover the sins of their family. And, and the court of the Gentiles was get placed there so that the nations of the world could come and see, get close enough to see the relationship. You say, man, God gave a great commission to his people, and he said, be a channel of blessing. Live your life so that your conduct and your behavior match whose you are. And he said, build a a temple and use the covering of blood so that the nation can see the relationship that you and I have. Now, how well did they do with all of these things? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked. If you've got your Bible, I want you to look here in Mark chapter 11. Real quick, it's the last place I'm going to have you look. i got eight minutes, and I promise you, you're going to get out before the turkey burns today. All right? That's my, that's my money-back guarantee. Mark chapter 11. Now, in Mark chapter 11, 
as you're turning, I hear you turning, as you're turning, this is what's going on. Jesus is at the end of his ministry. The cross is just ahead of him. He has come to the area of Jerusalem for Passover. He's staying outside of town at a friend, some friends of his home named Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They live in Bethany and Bethphage, which is just out the city of Jerusalem, down the Kidder Valley, back up the Mount of Olives, and it's a little, it's a, the twin cities of Bethany and Bethphage, and, and he was walking back and forth to Jerusalem every day, and you get an account of this in the Gospels. Well, this day, when he shows up in Mark chapter 11 to the temple, this is one of those passages that most of us, when we read that, we think, mm, Jesus lost his cool. I mean, he showed up to the temple, and he, he, he threw a temper tantrum at the temple. This is when he threw the tables over, and he runs the money changers out of the temple. But what's going on in Mark chapter 11? Why did Jesus lose it in Mark chapter 11? There's got to be something significant here in Mark chapter 11. Well, look here. Verse 15, so they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. What's going on? So Herod is the king in Israel now. And he has made the court of the Gentiles the, the corral for the livestock. That this was the place that the Gentiles were supposed to be able to come so that they could get close enough to see the relationship that God had with his nation, Israel, and how that the covering of the blood would, would cover in their sins for that year. But Herod had allowed the court of the Gentiles to be the place where all of the Jewish pilgrims would come and leave their lambs. Now, if you had this uh, corral of animals um, and, and, and hundreds of them in this corral, I don't know if you've ever been by a corral or downwind from a corral, but a corral smells like manure. And here's the place that the nations are to come to get close enough to see the relationship and the Jews have put animals in the court of the Gentiles and when Jesus comes into Jerusalem they're taking the blessing that God had told Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to hand to the nations and they're selling it. They're selling doves, they're selling animals to the people who had come in for a prophet. The nation of Israel had taken the great commission. They should have been a channel of blessing. They should have, their conduct and behavior should have pointed unbelievers, Gentiles, to their God. And yet Jesus said, you've turned this place into a den of thieves. You're robbing people. Now look at this next verse. Look at verse 16. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And he taught saying this. Is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations? But you've made it a den of thieves. 
Watch what the nation of Israel did. They took what God had blessed them with and they held it. Instead of giving it away, they sold it. And their, their behavior and their conduct was that of, of thieves. And the very court that was supposed to give access to those nations to see the relationship, they couldn't even get in it because of the manure in that place. You know, Jesus in Matthew 28, he took the great commission away from the nation of Israel and he handed it to the church. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, when he says, go therefore and make disciples, listen, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus took the great commission that dad had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the nation of Israel. They held it and they sold it. And Jesus took it away from them and he hands it to the church. Now here's the question, church. How are we doing with that great commission? How are you and I doing with it? Are we a channel of blessing? The things that God's blessed us with. What's he blessed us with? Our time, our gifts. Do you know if Christ lives in you, you've got a gift? How are you doing with that gift? Our time, our gifts, our resources. Are we leveraging everything that God has blessed us with to be a blessing to the nations? To, to be able to, to be a channel of blessing. How's our conduct and behavior? What do people see and hear in us? When, when we speak, when we post, when we live our life, do people say there's something different about her? There's something different about her. He's got a joy in him that's missing in my life. Is our conduct and our behavior showing this world whose we are? And what about our relationship? Is this world close enough to see that our sins, why we still have them, they're covered by the blood of Jesus? How are you doing with a great commission with your neighbors, the people that God's already put in your circle? How are we doing with a great commission that God's given us to the nations of this world. Listen, I want us to bow our heads together, church, all across the room. I don't want us to get ready to leave. I want us to take some time this morning because I believe there's some folks in this room that you've never come under the blood of Jesus. There's never been a time that you've surrendered your life to Christ's authority. There's never been a time that your sins have been covered by his blood. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You've never been saved. Maybe you're a church member. Maybe you're a, a, a good person, a decent person, but you've never surrendered your life to Christ's authority. In a few moments, our pastors will be here across the front. They'd love the opportunity to share with you how you can be saved. Please don't leave uh, today without being saved. The most important thing, decision in your life, the most important 
move in your life is a move toward Jesus through salvation. But you know, many of us are saved in this room. But maybe our conduct and behavior doesn't match a life that's been redeemed. And maybe your vocabulary doesn't match a life that's been redeemed. Maybe your behavior with, um, in, in some relationship that you have doesn't match the life of someone who's been redeemed. Maybe your business transactions. Maybe the decisions you made, the places that you go. Maybe your life, the character of your life, it doesn't match the life of someone who's been Redeemed. Listen, you don't have to come to me. You don't have to confess your sins to me. But listen, you, you need to come to the altar in just a few moments and spend some time alone with the Lord. Maybe today God's drawing you. Maybe he's calling you. I've told the last two services this. I just believe this. I believe Anthony and Daniel Hatchell, I believe they... We're in a church just like this one when God called them in the ministry. Maybe God's calling you in the ministry. Maybe he's setting you aside for some work or some mission. Maybe you've been dealing with it and you don't know how to handle it. Maybe you need one of our pastors to pray with you. Maybe you just need to spend some time alone at the altar. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, I want you to feel the freedom to do that. How are you doing with living the Great Commission. Father, we give you this time. Lord, we pray that you would fill this room with your presence. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together, church.